Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the European show. So today we've got a bit of a like a, a Champions League preview because there's a lack of content for us. So we thought we'll push this forward. I'm joined by Nick today. Hi, welcome back. Welcome to episode 23. And yeah, and we're going to just first quickly cover the cup games that happened during the week. So I think there's only one place to start, and that's that's in Spain, where the standout fixture in the Copa del Rey, and the only fixture in the Copa del Rey, was Sevilla versus Barcelona. Sevilla obviously being one of our favourites to, to win the competition, and Barcelona probably being the other favourite. And and Sevilla luckily came out on top 2-0. Yeah, it was it was quite an interesting game, where where first Sevilla completely dominated Barca. It, it it was it was a little bit crazy to see the the difference in quality and possession of the play in the in the first forty five minutes and just how much better Sevilla was and and eventually their their dominance was paid off with a, with a goal an an absolutely gorgeous goal from one of our favorites Jules Koundé, proving he's the best French centre back around. He he gets the ball, just runs up, dribbles two or three players, slides it past Umtiti, sends his sends his national team teammate, like leaves him in the dust, and slots it past Stegen. It's a beauty of a goal. And then so Sevilla went into into halftime leading, and then they went into the final forty five minutes completely calm, just uh, uh, allowing Barcelona to have control of the game, and then just sitting back and defending the whole time. It didn't look like they were in too much danger for a large part of what remained of the of, of the game. And then in a quick counter-attack, Rakitic scored against his old club, against a manager who had explicitly asked him to leave, which I think is a little bit of karma. And I don't know, it was just interesting to see. What did you make of it, Jack? Well, I just think it was... Well, to be fair, Bono, the, the severe goalie, had a, had a great game to, to keep up Messi, really, and a few other Barcelona players. And and yeah, it's another ex Barcelona player haunting Barcelona, like like Suarez did early on in the season. But obviously, Jules Kunde has made it a bit of a habit that he can play right back now as well. So he's quite versatile. Where do you think he's better as a right back or a, a centre back? I'm not. I would probably say. He he's just so solid in defense. I would not want him out of center back because he just brings so much cohesion to that back line, especially when he's partnered up next to Diego Carlos. And then maybe maybe have him just as a bit of a roaming center back, just go up every now and then because because he's a good right back and he has some pretty good qualities. He's a very nice dribbler, but I would rather just have him always back in the back line. Maybe if there is a three man, if it's three man back line, and he would play as a bit of an Upamecano or a or a Mario Mosso type where he just drifts up and distributes the ball, that could work for him. But for now, I would just keep him, I could keep him where, he, where he plays most comfortably. And, and actually, I have a little I think... bit, of a, a, a bit of a question with you, actually. Because, because now that Koundé is doing so well, he adds himself to the list of just world-class French centre-backs. So if you were Didier Deschamps, who would you take to, to Euros? Just what four centre-backs would you take? Koundé, definitely, yeah, of course. Of course. Probably Upa Meccano as well. Mm. Uh, who are the other two centre backs? Um, um, Titi used Varane, to be a centre back, but he kind maybe. of sucks now. I'd, I'd, yeah, not, not um, Titi. Varane, 
and then I'd probably fell on my last love with Lucas Hernandez, and then not that he plays. That's, what I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but he's still because, like because he, he can play strong. He can play in two positions as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and you've got to keep Varane in, even though he's not having the most amazing season of his life. He's still just he's still quality. You can't just discard him like that. But then there's you've got other players as well, like Benjamin Pavard, who was right. He can play centre back. But yeah. he's obviously used as a right back. Same with Nordi Mukiele at Leipzig. And then you've got Ibrahima Kanate as well at, um, at Leipzig as well. And then there's also Fafana, Wesley Fafana at Leicester, who is another great centre back. So you've got a bunch of young centre backs who could all make the team, but then that just kind of makes your team quite inexperienced and. Yeah, and that's not really a good thing to have when you're going when you're wanting to win the Euros. Yeah. So Sevilla obviously have a have a two 0 lead into the second leg, which is on the third of March, and they'll be looking to either defend that lead or capitalize on it to take them to the Copa del Rey final. With the other Copa del Rey game being played tonight, when we're recording this, so in in La Liga there was there was a game. Between Real Madrid and Hitafe, which finished 2 0 to Real Madrid. The goals for Karim Benzema and Ferland Mendy. But the most important thing, or the most interesting thing, should I say, is Marvin Park, who is half Nigerian, half Korean, and most surprisingly spent time in, at Tramirova's academy, made his, made, a, made his debut for Real Madrid, and was quite. He was all right, to be fair. And yeah, and he he gives Real Madrid another option now at right back or right wing back as they are lacking. But what I want to know is, is Marcelo back? Because obviously he had a great game and provided the assist for for Fulham Mendy. I wouldn't say so. I think that at this point he's just too old to really get back to just the magical scintillating self that he was. We've he he still has the quality and 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 the knowledge of of the game that he's that he's always had, but I don't think he he can consistently get back to the level at which he was before. I I, I think he he did have a good game, and, and and he was impressive, but I doubt. I think it's just past him to just keep that up for for long enough to be con- for for him to be properly considered to be back. To be honest, it's just a, it's it's just an. I don't know. He's just a little bit slower, a little bit less sharp than he than he used to be. I, I would say just he he should in the long term be replaced, preferably in a season or two. And so Real Madrid's next game in La Liga is against Valencia, and obviously we all know what happened in the in the previous game with the Carlos Soler hatchet of penalties. <laughs> so in Italy, there was obviously the second legs of the Copa del Rey games. Juventus played Inter in quite a, I wouldn't say boring, because there were chances. It was just Inter were quite poor and they drew 0 nil Because Juventus were just solid defensively throughout. And it, Lautaro Martinez and just, and Lukaku were just not on their game for this, for this game. And it kind of, kind of showed as well as, as the way Juventus had set up, it meant, into one eight were unable to break them down, and that obviously 
cost them and they were unable to score and all their chances were very poor. But oh. the best being Lautaro Martinez, who who kind of sliced at the shot in perfect from a perfectly good angle as well. Well what what I thought was quite interesting was that Ronaldo, his finishing was a little bit off as well. Overall he played a good game, but he just wasn't able to find the back of the net. Because he got the ball in good places on multiple occasions. And it wasn't like he was playing badly at all. He he had this one move where he receives the ball, slides past into his two centre-backs with a very nice piece of footwork. And then he's left alone against against Handanovic. And then he just didn't provide a good finish and Handanovic saved. That's quite unusual. I would mostly expect him to, well, just score that, head that into the back of the net. But I think he was maybe a little bit tired, not quite concentrating. And just overall, through the, that was just him throughout the whole match, just playing well as a whole, but then just missing these chances that he'd normally just slam in. And so, obviously, that that result takes Juventus into the into the final of the Coppa Italia, where they'll be playing against Atalanta, uh, who beat Napoli three one in a game where they just literally tore Napoli apart. There, Napoli couldn't really do a lot. But all of all of Atalanta's goals were good, nice team goals. I think the standout was uh, Pessinia's second goal, where he was able to use a good, some nice skill to to beat beat some of the Napoli defenders. And Jean Pierre Luigi Garini also had a great game as well. And but although he did make one mistake to to give Napoli the goal, but there's nothing you, you can really do about that. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. And this is Atalanta's second Coppa Italia final in three years. And so at the weekend, we've got some big Serie A games where with Juventus playing Napoli and Inter Milan playing Lazio. So we're going to have our our break now and then we're going to just give a preview of all the Champions League games. Welcome back from from the break, and we'll just start with our Champions League preview. And I think there's one place to start and one place only, and that is Barcelona versus PSG, which is clearly the rematch of the infamous remontada of Barcelona, obviously mounting that great comeback against against PSG. So, do do you? Do you think we're going to see anything as dramatic as, as that this time around? No, I don't think so. But it's going to be it's going to be quite interesting because I, I mentioned this in a previous episode that Barcelona looked a lot weaker than than PSG when the when this matchup was drawn out, and then as time has progressed, Barcelona has been begun just improving a little bit more, gaining a little bit more confidence. And meanwhile, PSG has begun collapsing a little bit, and especially with this change of managers. Not that Pochettino is bad, it's just that he's still transitioning and getting his his team to fit his style. We've seen it in a few of the games where they haven't they've underperformed quite a lot. So I and, and so I don't really know which way this could go, especially now with the recent the recent news that Neymar has been injured and he'll be out for a while. Interestingly enough, he usually gets gets injured around this time of year. His his sister's birthday is on March 11th, and and Carnival is also soon. I'm I'm not directly accusing him of anything. Just this happens very often. 
and and yeah, like in in the two or three previous seasons in which Neymar got injured before the before PSG's Champions League matchup, they they didn't go through because they they really need him. And I think with this recent change of form and without their their superstar, I think Barcelona might actually, for the first time in a while, be capable of beating PSG. I I disagree because obviously, yes, PSG are missing Neymar and, and Di Maria, but they still have Kylian Mbappe and Mauro Icardi and Moise Kien is also coming into his own. And let's not forget Barcelona, are, I say lacking centre-backs, they're lacking quality centre-backs, which is something that Maricardi, Mbappe and Moïse-Kien will both be, will all be licking their lips at, especially the fact that, especially if De Jong, who is not a proper centre-back, has to play centre-back like he did last night against Sevilla. So that, that's why I think PSG will win. Is mainly that battle will will be interesting to see as, with the PSG's attackers on the on the Barcelona defense, and that, that's that's why I just think PSG will be too good for for Barcelona, and PSG will win. As much as I hate PSG, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I understand your your concern about the centre backs, uh, and I definitely think that. That Barca is going to concede, and they're going to concede a lot. But especially with Messi being being quite on his game in 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 recent matches, I'm pretty sure it's going to be him dragging his his team into in, into the quarterfinals as as has become customary. So that, that, that's what I reckon is going to happen. Well, if if Barcelona do win, I think it will be a weak performance. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, and it'd be one of those where Barcelona win. But then they'll go into the next round and just play terribly. Yeah, because yeah, that, that's, that's how it's been usual. for the past few years yeah. as well. No, completely. Yeah, Most notably I, I last year as well. Mm, that, that that was yeah. a very very fun year to watch Barcelona. <laughs> so obviously we we've both been split on this with Nick going for Barcelona win and me going for PSG. But somewhere that surprisingly we're both equal with, with who we think will win is Atalanta versus Real Madrid. We've we've both gone for an Atalanta win as well, I've gone for it because obviously Real Madrid are without Sergio Ramos, which is which is a big issue for them. I know they they've shown that they're still defensively sound in, in recent games in La Liga, but Playing against Atalanta without your best defender is a completely different kettle of fish. As obviously we know how Atalanta play, we know that they just send everyone forward. When you know how much they press, you know how bad Real Madrid's defenders are at dealing with the press, such as Varane. And and if it's the Real Madrid that played against Shakhtar, especially, but that cruised through the majority of the group stage last year or this year, I mean. It, At- Atalanta will find this quite easy, and and will probably and will win. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not sure about the Atalanta finding it easy. Real Madrid is still one of the the greatest teams in European football, but with them just looking so shaky recently, in 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 their in in their league games, and and with them just being pretty bad at attacking, essentially just Benzema and then the fullbacks 
being the only people contributing to goal threat, I'm, I'm pretty sure they won't be able to outscore the, the, the amazing, the high-flying Atlanta at attack, who's just going to... Atlanta will score at least two goals in, in, in both of the games. That's that's essentially guaranteed. I, I don't see any way or, uh, other way around it. Because, I mean, you, you said you said, you said said it like really well, really. Sergio Ramos is out, and then without him bringing a leadership and a calmness to the to the defense they're not going to be able to cope with with atlanta's press and they won't have the quality to keep out atlanta's just amazing attackers i i, I just don't really see I, I mean yeah real madrid could could surprise us and and just bring it all together for for this one game but the, the way things are right now i don't really see, see it happening i i the only way i can see real madrid winning is if Obviously, Atalanta win the win the first game, and they kind of realize, oh no, shit, we have to we have to actually book our ideas up because that's always what seems to happen with Real Madrid. They play terribly in the first leg, but then they somehow manage to turn it on for the second leg as they've kind of realized that damn, we're actually in trouble here. Like what they yeah. did in the in the last group stage game against Borussia Mönchengladbach, where they had to win really to guarantee their their path into the next round and and they kind of showed that they are still all right Real Madrid on, on their day. It's something that they do very often as well. Uh, in previous years in, in, in knockout stage matches against Juventus, against Wolfsburg, against Juve. I said Juve twice, but I meant to say Bayern. They, they, they just, it's something they just do often where they, they don't play the first game very well and then they look like they're in trouble for the second and then they really rise to the occasion. So we'll have to see how it, how it goes and what, what happens. But yeah, I I would consider Atlanta the favourites. I, I definitely say that's probably it, it's going to be one of the most interesting games to watch to see how Real Madrid deal with Atlanta. Really, is most people don't know how how Atlanta play. So Bayern Munich are against Lazio. Obviously, Bayern Munich are the holders of the Champions League, but I. I you would think that Bayern will win, and I do think Bayern will win, but I I don't think it's going to be that easy. As Lazio on the day, they have the ability to to really hurt teams. And with the way Bayern have been playing lately and uh, and them not being as as ruthless and clinical as they have been for the past year, they they're going to find it hard to beat Lazio, especially with their poor performances in recent games. And it's going to, and especially with Thomas Muller will be back after he tested positive for COVID. So we'll be back after then. And, but obviously he'll be still having to find his, his, his match fitness. And so they will be lacking one of their best players. If Lazio can find a way to neutralize Robert Lewandowski, even though it's, Probably the most hard is the hardest thing to do. Then they will be able to, they will be able to to cause some damage. As I imagine, Chiro Mobile and Luis Alberto will be looking forward to this to a weakened Bayern team. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I I see where you're coming from for sure. I mean, I I, I also agree that Bayern are going to win. It, it, it's still the same team. In on paper that that won the that won the whole thing the whole Champions League last season, except uh, again as you said they're not looking as confident and 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 such, 
but they will probably be fairly safe knowing that they're that they're, that defensively they should be able to to lock out uh, Lazio. I I understand what you mean about Chiro Mobile. However, I just don't think that they're going to get to the areas in into which he can score comfortably. I just don't think he's going to have many opportunities throughout because just Hansi Flick will know that that's essentially the way to to drown out Lazio. He may also want to cut out Luis Alberto and and such some all of those forward playmakers. And I mean uh, I'm I'm pretty sure Bayern has the has the quality and the capability and the tactical knowledge to be able to pull pull off the the game from a defensive perspective. And then how they attack, well, we'll have to see. But they're they're always good in that department, so I think they should be fine for that. That that's the thing. So obviously we know how Bayern play, how they like to play with the with the high line, and how it was nearly exposed against Arthur Berlin. I think that's where Lazio will shine because we know how good of a counter a counter-attacking team Lazio are, as 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 they showed in the Rome derby. And I, I do think with how high of a line Bayern play, that's going to be their issue. And that will be their downfall if, if there is one, as obviously Lazio are probably one of the best at counter-attacking in Italy, if not Europe. So I, I do think Bayern will probably, will win, but it will be a bit more of a, a grinded out win. So, Atletico Madrid are against Chelsea. Uh, Atletico Madrid, obviously, we know are, are high-flying in, in La Liga. And they're looking like a very solid outfit, not only defensively, but attacking-wise as well. Whereas Chelsea have have their new manager in Thomas Tuchel. And we don't, you don't really know how Tuchel's going to play in general, and in this game. Obviously, before, you would, when Frank Lampard was in charge, you'd probably say that it'd be an Atletico Madrid win. But now, it's, it's, there's a lot more uncertainty around who, who could possibly win. As, as now, with Tuchel in charge, you could give a reason for Atletico Madrid winning. Yeah, absolutely. When, 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 the, when the matchup was drawn... I was fairly confident Atleti, Atleti would go through, except there's also been two very important recent events other than the, than the sacking of Lampard and the hiring of Tuchel, and that being first the mini, mini COVID outbreak at Atletico, in which Carrasco and Edmoso were silent for a bit, but they should be back in time for the tie, which is, which is very good because they're probably the two most or two of the most important players that Atleti have. However, Joao Felix, Lemar, and I believe Hector Herrera will be out for this tie most likely and uh, Joao Felix and Lemar especially are so crucial to to Aleti's offensive capabilities and and last weekend when they when they had to play without them the team was a lot worse significantly significantly worse at, at getting into those areas where where you just create danger and and I think that's going to be hugely influential especially especially for the first game which is where the the second important event comes in because of because of Spain's COVID restrictions, uh, they're not accepting travellers from England, including Chelsea Football Club. So the game is going to have to be played in a neutral stadium outside of Spain, that being in Bucharest. So without Aleti having the home advantage, 
and and Chelsea will likely have the home advantage when they play the second leg in London, which is a little bit unfair if you think about it. That may also matter a little bit. So these two big things, I think, shift the shift the the, the weight of the tie more in Chelsea's favour, and and Tuchel will, should be very happy that, that that this is the way things are turning out because it, it's it's really going to help him, I think, if he ha- if he wants really, which I'm sure he does, to get through to the next round of the Champions League. What do you think about obviously the Champions League happening at the moment? Because obviously, loads of teams have, or loads of countries have restrictions on places on people coming from certain countries, and obviously, certain teams have not been allowed into the country. And so, do you think the Champions League should really be happening at the moment? Yeah, it's a little strange, um, especially with, with, as you said, as we've seen a lot as well with with Leipzig and Liverpool now with Chelsea and and Atleti. Teams often have to relocate stadiums for the for the ties, mostly because of the UK. To be fair, but I don't know. I I think it's not a not not a wrong decision to keep the Champions League on. They seem to be keeping things safe in terms of spreading the virus. But what I think should be, would be a lot more fair would be if one team has to has to change their stadium, for example, Atleti or Leipzig, because of because of their country's ban on 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 English travelers. Then the second leg should also be played in a neutral stadium. It, it's it's unfair that one of them is played in a neutral stadium and then the other is played. In England, it, it it just makes it so unbalanced. It, it uh, it's reasonable to play in a neutral stadium, but if it's both legs in 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 that stadium, I I, I don't know how you see it, but I, I think this is a, a really bad way to 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 settle the problem. I I personally think that they shouldn't really be doing the Champions League at the moment, and because obviously it just doesn't make sense for people to be traveling so much. Like I know it, it doesn't matter that they're sending them somewhere else. They're still making, they're making them arguably travel even further because of Spain to England isn't that far, but mm. England to Romania is far. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and so they're just making them travel even further uh, for some unnecessary reason. So, what I think they should do, really, is I, I know obviously UEFA is constrained with time because of because of obviously the the Euros, but I, I do think they should do what they did last year in like similar to that in Lisbon. So they from now you make it one legged games because arguably you could say one legged games are more fun because teams will just attack because there's it's it's all or nothing, isn't it? So you're more likely to have either surprise results or an underdog go a lot further. It'll also help restrict the travelling as teams will be based in, in one particular area or city. And yeah, so I, I think they should really... You, you take away all the weeks with the Champions League and you can just push the calendar forward to allow for, for a period where... Where teams can have like a bit of a mini tournament in in the Champions League, and I, I do find that arguably a lot more enjoyable than the normal format of the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a pretty good take. I agree, it, especially with the whole the whole format they did it last year. Uh, I mean, I didn't quite like it as much. I do like two legged ties a little bit better, but but clearly changing it just for just for COVID 
the one legged ties worked and we still had a, a, a fun tournament to watch with it with some surprises so i didn't see why they just can't do it again well there is a slight problem with the euros but they should be able to find a solution uh, they, they just really should but that's that's a completely different conversation about the euros whether they should go ahead right right <laughs> exactly but back back to back to Atletico Madrid versus Chelsea. Who do you think would? Because obviously Chelsea aren't. They don't really have one standout star. You could like, like, like Atletico Madrid do with Luis Suarez. Mm. If if Chelsea were to win, who do you think would be like their game changer? Certainly not Timo Werner. I, I I hope I don't have to eat my words on this. I, I would feel really stupid if, if Werner scored like a hat trick in the first leg and then I had to come on the podcast and I'd look like an idiot. But who I really think will make the difference is, well, essentially the kid who's been proving himself, just putting everything in just all season long, Mason Mount. He's not the most incredibly impressive player in the world, but he really gives it his all. And, and in important matches, when you've got a player who's just sweating, running, fighting for the ball all the time. Thinking back to, you know, great performances from from kids who weren't even... Like Jack Wilshere, everyone remembers that legendary night Wilshere had playing against Barcelona in the Champions League. He was just there running, putting in so much effort, and it, and it paid off. And then I think this could be similar for Mount, where he just has the work rate to make the difference. I, 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 I feel like if that's really what, what could really help Chelsea push through the tie. I I think it could be Kai Havertz. I know obviously he hasn't been playing well recently, but I feel like these two games are going to be the ones that he finally steps up and shows the type of caliber and player that he is. But I I think we've both gone for a Atletico Madrid win. Yeah, it it will be quite difficult, and I do expect that there may be a surprise. But I I I I am fairly confident. I think you should go through. So we're gonna have our our goal song break, and then we'll be back with the rest of the games. Welcome back from our goal song break, where you just heard the the Schalke goal song. So, Nick, what did you what did you think of it? I thought it was quite good. It's it's fun. It's energetic. I'll give that a, a solid seven out of ten. I'll give it I'll give it a nine, only through sympathy, <laughs> as the Schalke fans haven't heard that for a while. One, obviously, because they haven't been allowed in the stadium, and two, because Schalke don't score a lot. So that's where we're going to go next. Germany or Hungary as it, RB Leipzig are against Liverpool. This, this I, I've got it down as, as it's going to be a close game as obviously RB Leipzig are, are high-flying in the Bundesliga. They're, they're second, obviously, behind Bayern, whereas Liverpool are, are quite bad at the moment and are sitting fourth. And, and it'd be... It's going to be interesting to see how this game pans out because obviously they're both very attacking sides with who both love to press. So it's literally just going to be counter press after counter press after counter press 
between other teams. And I, I do think the area that that Leipzig are going to get the upper hand is that left-hand side. Because obviously you've got Angelino, the, the wing-back that's actually basically a left-winger, will be up against Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I think that's the area that Leipzig are going to have the most free reign down because obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't the best at defending. Especially not this season, he's been quite poor. But yeah, overall, I, 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 I agree absolutely. It's going to be quite even, two very similar styles. I see Leipzig having an edge on this, just just out of a, out of a confidence thing, out of a morale thing. Because as, as you said, they're high-flying in the Bundesliga. They're doing very well. They're chaining a lot of very good results. Meanwhile, Liverpool is on a very bad loss streak. And and I think and I think well, even if Liverpool manage to lose, to win one leg, which I think is quite likely, I I think they'll lose the other. Probably the one at Anfield. Jokes aside, but both because because of the recent history, both in the Champions League and in the league, where, where they just, just everything slips away whenever they play there. So I think they're just really shaky on a on a confidence level. That's going to affect their gameplay quite a lot. Which is why, which is why I see Leipzig going through. Really, I I don't think Leipzig will go through, but I do think they will win a game because because obviously that left hand side is going to be an issue for Liverpool. The only issue I have for Leipzig is their lack of goals because most most of the players haven't really scored that many as the goals have been shared around the team. And I feel like this is this is an area that, that's going to hinder them, as obviously you don't have that natural that natural finisher that that they had last year in Timo Werner, and that's definitely going to be the area that affects them the most. As obviously the ball may fall to someone that's not as good at shooting, like Conrad Limer, and that's that's where it goes horribly wrong for them. So I I do think the games are going to be split, but I don't think. Lives are going to go through, and Liverpool will be the team that that progresses, mainly due to experience as well. Experience at a experience of what getting knocked out in the round of sixteen by a, by a smaller team. No experience of winning the Champions League. Okay, he didn't have to go that. Something way. you can't. Something you can't. You've never experienced. Yo, we can calm down a little bit now. Chill. <laughs> One team that is going to win the Champions League is Borussia Mönchengladbach, as they are against Manchester City. You could say yes, Mönchengladbach were quite lucky to get into the round of sixteen, as they nearly, as they nearly threw it away with their performance against Real Madrid. But then you could say that their performances leading up to that game against Real Madrid were great. They nearly beat Real Madrid, and they also nearly beat Inter Milan twice as well. And so you, you could you could say that Borussia Mönchengladbach have it in them to, to be a bit of a giant killer. But the one issue is the fact that City are 15 games unbeaten in all competitions and looking very, very strong right now. So that is the one, the one area, albeit quite a large one, that you may put this game against Borussia Mönchengladbach. The one area where I personally have hope his Pep Guardiola and his overthinking. The, the, the constant thing that knocks Manchester City out of the Champions League is Pep Guardiola's 
ability to play a formation that Manchester City very rarely play just to try and counteract the team and it backfires massively and they kind of all lose their bottle. And I, as as seen in, in Lisbon last year when they lost to a, a pretty poor Leon side as well. And, and that's where I think Manchester City are going to come unstuck because Christian Mönchengladbach are, are a great team and the way Marco Rosa plays or what likes his team to play is something that Pep Guardiola has never experienced before. So that that's the, that's where I think Manchester City are going to struggle. Right, yeah, I, I understand what you mean. And and I do think that, that Gladbach are a very good team and they are capable of putting an upset. However, at the end of the day, Man City is Man City and they're looking so incredibly scary at the moment. I think that this isn't the game where where Man City will, will mess up and just choke out of the Champions League. I, I do think it will happen at some point this season. I, I don't see them winning it as, as per usual. But I think that this, this isn't the game yet. It, they're just on this on this streak where they're so powerful that they, they know what they're doing in every single game. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that they're just too solid to, to be broken down for now, especially defensively. And the, the whole thing with John Stones and Ruben Diaz being so good together, I think they're just going to hold on, and really they're going to be quite capable of knocking out even the great, even the great know house. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but they Diaz and Stuns has never came up against Allison Player, Marcus <laughs> Taram, and Lars Stindl, have they? Uh, I guess if you shoot from outside the box, you don't have to face Ruben Diaz. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll we'll have to see how it goes. I I, I would definitely like there to be, uh, I, I would definitely like a Gladbach to be this year's dark horse. And for them to to really go far in the in, in the Champions League, have a little bit of their own fairy tale story. But first, they have to get past one of the biggest teams playing right now. I I have confidence that Borussia Mönchengladbach do will and will beat Manchester City due to yes, they may probably draw the first game, but they're going to pull it out the bag, whether that be in Manchester or elsewhere. And they, this these two games will be the games where Florian Neuhaus finally announces himself to the world. As right now, you could he's probably one of the most unspoken about players around, as people don't really care about him. But this will be the game where he shows the world that he's that he is the real deal. And I do have Brazil Manchester down to win, because obviously, <laughs> I I have hope. So the next game is Sevilla versus Brussels Dortmund. This originally looked like quite an even game until Brussels Dortmund started playing terribly. And Sevilla started playing quite quite well. And obviously, we talked about them earlier on, Sevilla. I think the most interesting matchup in this game will be Jules Koundé and Diego Carlos against Erling Haaland and, and Sancho and, and really the Dortmund front line. As you've got one of the best defences in Spain against normally, and what's meant to be, one of the best attacks in Germany. Yeah, it's going to be one of the best games of the of of this stage of the of the Champions League because it's two fairly even teams on paper. In in recent form, Sevilla is doing better. Sevilla is doing like significantly better, which is why I would put them as favourites, especially with with the confidence boost they will have just gotten from from their Barca game yesterday, and then also from the fact that Kunde is incredibly on form. Papu Gomez has just landed. And with a bang, he's he's just playing really, really well. He knows what he's doing out there on the left wing, not usually where he usually plays, but somewhere that he's adapted into lightning quick. 
within two games he he was already starting and Lopetegui he clearly clearly likes him and 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 I feel like if him and and Enesiri and probably the young a little bit as well Luke the young of course will be able to expose that that the Dortmund backline which has been truly truly terrible over the past six weeks or so and then and then the, meanwhile looking at Sevilla's defense. Well, as you said, Diego Carlos and Kunde are probably the most underrated centre-back pairing in the world. And Haaland is not quite at his killer best. He is still good. He is still extremely good and extremely lethal. But he isn't as just he scores every game as he was previously. But Sancho is probably going to be extremely important, especially now that he's right back in, in, his, in his stellar form, really. I think really he's the one who's going to be able to 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 pierce that that, that well you could say godly centre back pairing. There's no other way. So we'll have to see how it pans out. And I, I do I do think Enesiri and Papu Gomez and Suso against Dortmund's fragile back line is also going to be interesting to watch as well. As Enesiri is one of the most informed strikers in in Spain at the moment. And as Dortmund are at their probably weakest that they have been for for probably six years now, I do I do think Sevilla could will cause an upset and and go through. Finally, it's Porto versus Juventus. There's not really a lot to say about this as Juventus have picked up their their form a lot quite recently and look like a lot better outfit than they did a few when the draw was originally made. You could say that Porto had an outside chance to possibly cause an upset but now I think the money's just on Juventus to win and it's going to be an easy easy ride yeah yeah absolutely to be honest I just see this as the least interesting of all the ties it's just a pretty big mismatch in quality big mismatch in form Uh, Juve have this in the bag I don't really see any other way so we've got some Europa League fixtures as well so Real Sociedad against Manchester United Obviously, Real Sociedad have not been playing as well as they had been at the start of the season. And Real Man- um, and Manchester United are playing a lot better than they have been at the start of the season. So, do, do we think Manchester United are probably going to go through? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just when you look at it, Real Sociedad have fallen so far in terms of, of, of confidence and playing ability, it seems, that they... I just don't think they can, they can make it through. However, Sociedad's big thing in Europe, which which hasn't happened very often because they haven't gone to Europa League that much, is is crazy comebacks and and defying impossible odds. So I would write them in as possibly being able to factor in a, a big surprise. But I don't know. I, I think it's quite unlikely. I, I I would put money on on United going through. And the other game, it's quite exciting to be fair. Is Leo. Versus Ajax, obviously Ajax are without their record signing Sebastian Haller and their best goalkeeper Andre Onana. Whereas Leo are finally picking up their form again in in Liga, and so it's going to be quite interesting to see how how this game pans out. Yeah, absolutely. I would have said if if Ajax had had Haller who is quite important, and Anana, who is extremely important to this Ajax side, I would have said it was a, a fairly even game. 
and and maybe had Lille a slight favorite with a with a slight chance of going through, but now but now without someone who I am I, I will confidently say Onana is one of the top ten goalkeepers in Europe. You hated on me last time for me saying this, but 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 I believe this is the truth. I can name ten goalkeepers better than him, and you will be wrong with at least two of those, and. We, we, we can discuss this later. We, we can have another podcast episode where we name our yeah, we will. We will. Yeah, we will. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We will. But yeah, him being out is is going to shatter Ajax, both because they'll, they'll miss this secure man in goal and also this leader who just organised the defence, is a presence in giving everyone confidence and, and calming everyone down. And and we're just without him doing that, right, the Kellenberg has, has more experience than him and he, he, in theory, knows how to manage... Uh, a, a team had to be a better leader in theory, right? Except he hasn't really been playing much, and and he hasn't really been out there game the game time to to really influence as much as he should. So I think that's really going to be the, the the blow that's going to weaken Ajax to the point where they they can't beat Lille, who's also flying quite high at the moment. Especially Jonathan David, who's the goal threat man right now. Yeah, exactly. M- most of Lille's attackers have finally all found form coincidentally at the same time as well as obviously you've got Jonathan David scoring again you've got Timothy Weyer as well scoring Yusuf Yazici is doing this is his competition at Europa League and so obviously if he's able to light it up in the San Siro he should be able to light it up in the Amsterdam arena and so yeah I do think Leo will also be able to progress into the next round and Depending depending how they play, they could be considered the favourites as well, because obviously they are flying high in in Liga as well. So that's it for today. We we have seen the questions people have sent in, but we don't have time right now to answer them. So we will answer them next time. So yeah, and if it goes well, we'll make it a bit more of a regular thing. So. Please follow us on our social medias. We have an Instagram. We've got a TikTok now as well, and a Twitter. So follow us on all of them. If we get a hundred, if we get a hundred likes on our TikTok, we will post a video of Jack dancing to a song of your choice. No, <laughs> and so yeah, and follow us wherever you get your your podcasts or whatever. And yeah, we'll we'll see you on Tuesday. Mm-hmm.